It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast Here on the Locked On Podcast Network And I want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine We're here for you Monday through Friday At least for now It's As the off-season, we're still in the meat of the off-season But There'll be days where we might pop off a little bit and not have something to talk about or have work that interferes with uh, what our recording, but we're going to still try to be here for you Monday through Friday. I am John Corrales of the Rain and Jays. I cover the Celtics for MassLive.com, and I'm soloing this show to talk to you about Adrian Wojnarowski on the Celtics, their future plans, at least for this week. The NBA draft is on Thursday. So Woj had some comments about that on ESPN. In the second segment, I will be talking to you about my piece that I wrote on uh, D'Angelo Russell. A lot of people asking about D'Angelo Russell. I broke that down. I'll talk about it here and maybe even a little bit about Terry Rozier. And then in the final segment, I will share with you my appearance on 98.5 The Sports Hub with Adam Jones uh, talking about the Anthony Davis trade. So Before we get to that, I want to remind everybody that the Locked On NBA draft is now, the mock draft is underway. Before we get to the actual draft, you can listen to that one. Local experts in every draft room, Jeremy Wu of SI.com with player breakdowns, Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy with the fantasy breakdown. It's all on Locked On NBA. Subscribe to that and the Locked On Celtics podcast wherever you get podcasts. We're everywhere, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Himalaya, or you can ask your smart device in the car, at home, wherever you are. Ask your assistant to play podcast, Locked On Celtics, or any of the Locked On NBA podcasts, and it'll do it for you. It's pretty cool like that. So, Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN, talking about the Celtics. NBA draft is on Thursday. The Celtics have three picks. Here's the audio of Woj on ESPN talking about what the Celtics might do. Woj is back with us. No AD. Who knows about Kyrie? I assume they're down to plan B or plan C. What is it? How do they handle this? Well, Keith, Boston has a lot of options because they have so many draft picks going forward. They've got three in this draft. They have uh, picks owed to them in the future. And they can use those uh, to go out around the league right now and see what kind of players are available. You know, they need to see what Al Horford's going to do. He can opt out of his contract, become a free agent. That He could opt out and do an extension with Boston, or he could go somewhere else. But I think with the fact that they are really concerned and, and almost to the point of resignation that Kyrie Irving is going to leave them. 
it changes the dynamic. Terry Rozier is a restricted free agent. They can match any offer sheet and keep him. So Boston's got a lot of options. They have assets, but I'm told they have been really aggressive out in the marketplace. Again, three picks in Thursday's NBA draft. I'm told they don't want to have three rookies on the team. You could expect one way or another, at least one, maybe two of those picks end up somewhere else. I guess depending on your viewpoint, they're, the Celtics are either in a dire situation or it's it's not so bad. I think everybody can agree this is not the way anybody wanted it to go or at least a very small percentage of people wanted it to go this way. The plan obviously was the plan. We know that it was supposed to be to get multiple stars to Boston. They had one. They had Kyrie Irving. That went south. No need to rehash all that. They missed out on Anthony Davis. They decided not to go for Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. We've gone over that. So now basically four high-level free agents to, to varying degrees, two megastars, two superstars, could have been Celtics. They're not. So now here the Celtics are heading into a draft where, as Woj said, they do not want three rookies on this team. So Danny Ainge is going to be aggressive. He's going to be looking to... Move those picks. Now you can package those three picks, 14, 20, 22, try to move up. How high up does that get you? Not very. I mean, gets you into the top 10 if you package all three. I don't know that any team wants all three, but 14 and 20 could get you into the top 10. I don't know if you want to be in the top 10 necessarily. If the Celtics see a guy in the top five, then maybe they attach a player. To that, I don't know who that player would be, but uh, I know that my colleague on Mass Live, Tom Westerholm, has some ideas. So you might want to check out MassLive.com slash Celtics. Well, you should be bookmarked anyway. MassLive.com slash Celtics is where all of our stuff lives. Tom and I have been doing a lot of work, and hopefully you're enjoying it. But I know Tom has ideas about the draft, so check him out when he – I think he's going to be posting a piece on Tuesday that – has, and you're listening to this on Tuesday, presumably, that will uh, detail some of those options. I don't know that I'm in, into packaging a player to move up into the top five, but some people are. Uh, so that's a possibility. Uh, I think it's maybe a little bit more likely that Ainge has an idea on somebody and may be willing to move into the top 10 uh, to to get that person. I know that there's a lot of people who don't see a lot of difference in the talent levels when you get past three or four or five. They, a, lot of, a lot of that is equal. I don't know who he might be targeting. I don't know if he's going to be targeting anybody in this draft. He could be Maybe he's attaching that those picks to a player for something different. Maybe he's not trying to trade up. Maybe he's trying to trade for somebody else. Who knows? Uh, there, there are always surprises when it comes to the offseason. There's always something that nobody saw coming. And with Danny Ainge, he's a very likely person to give us something that we didn't see coming. So could 14, 20, 22 be attached to a player, whomever that player might be, to get somebody else, to get a current player on an NBA roster? It's possible. 
I mean, the the possibilities. I don't want to say they're endless, but there there are very many possibilities. The, those picks could be traded out. He might get out of this draft completely and say, "I don't want to be in this draft at all. I don't like anybody." So fourteen twenty twenty two go out and maybe future first rounder plus whatever go, comes back to you know, and and there's a team and I I haven't looked too closely, but. Maybe there's a team that says, we want to be in this draft. We are struggling. Hell, it could be the Lakers for all we know. And maybe the Lakers have, because they have screwed themselves with the lack of uh, people in their you know, roster, uh, people on their roster, maybe they need to get into this draft to fill it out. And Danny Ainge could squeak out some future assets. I don't think so. I think they've given up too many of those assets in the Anthony Davis trade. Side note, and I mentioned this later, I'm still sticking to my guns. I, I think that I don't think unless somehow they manage to convince the Pelicans to wait for no reason whatsoever, then they can get that third max slot. My theory by the way, as an aside, is that Rob Palenka screwed up. And I firmly believe that he thought he was creating a max slot. And he thought that by executing this trade, whenever it was done, like it's supposed to be executed after the moratorium ends, July 6th, that he had a $32 million slot. I firmly believe that because what he has is a $27, a $27 million slot and five empty or six empty roster spots. And what he didn't realize is that for each of those empty roster spots below 12, that the league, the CBA has a minimum roster charge. And that's just about $900,000. That's the rookie minimum. The league rules mandate. You have to have 12 players on your roster basically at all times. And if there's not, there's a cap hold. They put a placeholder there that says you're going to have to spend at least this little bit of money to fill out your roster. Six cap holes at just under $900,000 is five, just over $5 million. Well, the max slot that Palenka thought he was creating was $32 million. 27 plus five is $32 million. Too much of a coincidence. So I think I think he screwed up. I firmly believe that he screwed up. That he didn't realize the minimum roster charges. That he had the $32 million to work with. And then he was just going to fill out the rest with veteran minimums. You know, try to get the Jared Dudleys of the world. People who might be chasing, chasing rings like uh, Vince Carter or somebody like that. To get on board and fill out the roster that way around three stars. I think he screwed up. And now I think there's a scramble. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be shocked if we hear that the Lakers give up another asset. Kind of like when the Celtics were giving up another asset because the Cavaliers were scared by Isaiah Thomas's medicals. I wouldn't be surprised if Palenka screwed up and they need to give the Pelicans another asset another something to convince them to wait the month. I don't think the Pelicans are inclined. Like They didn't want to do the deal with the, the Lakers in the first place. 
And now the, they're in a position to kind of take all of those picks and kind of stick it to them. Like if I'm the Pelicans, if I'm their owner, if I'm still pissed off, I say, no, you pull this trigger and let them figure it out, which would be hilarious to me. But back to Danny Ainge, just to finish up that thought. Danny Ainge will be super aggressive. He's going to do something. I At this point, I've heard it so often that I would be surprised if the Celtics use all three picks in that draft. Now, they could kind of skirt that. Maybe they have a draft and stash or two. And they do technically make all three picks because what Woj said, they don't want three rookies on this team. Maybe what they do is they take at 20 and 22 some European guy who's going to stay there for a year or two and then come over later. I mean, that could be a possibility. It's it's a reach to use late first-round draft picks to do that, but if they find themselves without a willing trade partner, they could kind of get around that we don't want three rookies on the team by saying, okay, here's two guys that are from like Central Europe or wherever and say, you stay there. And then in two, three years, whenever you're ready, then we'll then we'll bring you over. Because they can hold on to the draft rights. And then maybe they make a pick with 14 and they're on their merry way. But just prepare yourself for some things happening when Thursday comes around with the Celtics. Something probably will go down. We'll see if this report holds. I'm going to take a break. We'll come back. You asked a lot of questions. Plenty of you have asked me, what's D'Angelo Russell's deal? Can we get him? Can we sign and trade him in a sign and trade with Kyrie Irving? Double sign and trade. Can we do that? I wrote about it. I'll talk about it when we come back on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts.
One question I've gotten a ton. I've seen other Celtics writers get this question a ton. D'Angelo Russell, he's a restricted free agent. Can the Celtics get D'Angelo Russell? People have latched on to D'Lo as a guy that they might want. Not everybody, but plenty of people. Enough that I felt the need to write about it and now talk about it. One popular possibility that people are bringing up is, well, Brooklyn wants Kyrie Irving and Boston wants D'Angelo Russell. Is there a way to double sign and trade and we'll help each other out? Okay, yes, but first, first problem. Why would Brooklyn want to do that? Why? Boston has very little room. No wiggle room, really. They can't sign. Well, they can sign. I'll talk about it in a second. But they're kind of stuck, and it's going to be very difficult for them to sign D'Angelo Russell. Why would the Nets help the Celtics? They're in the same division. They want to surpass the Celtics, and they're going to hurt the Celtics by taking their star player. So, step one, Brooklyn will not want to do this. Okay, let's let's try to move to step two by offering one of those draft picks. Maybe Danny Ainge is trying to cook something up here. And he says, okay, fine, here's the 14th pick. Here's 14 and 20. Let's do the double sign-in trade. Okay, part two is that when you receive a player in a sign-in trade, you are hard-capped. That's a rule in the NBA. You're Instead of this soft cap where you're like the Warriors and you can spend into oblivion if you're willing to pay a luxury tax on top of it, if the Celtics receive a sign-and-trade player like D'Lo in this situation, they would be hard-capped. It's at a thing called the apron, which is a, a line, a financial line, about $6 million above the tax line. So the apron this year is $138 million. So under no circumstances, zero circumstances, can the Celtics, in this scenario, go over 138 They cannot go over $138 million. It doesn't matter if everybody gets hurt, they're screwed. I don't know how, how that would go, but they're screwed. They cannot go over that. So that's something that complicates things. The, the, the Nets would also be hard-capped, by the way. And teams don't like to be hard-capped. So let's keep that in mind. The Celtics, if you read my piece on MassLive.com, I get into it a little bit. The Celtics aren't going to want to toy around with that. They, they'll get close. They can keep it a little close. But nobody wants to be spending $133 million when you're hard-capped at one thirty-eight, because you just never know what the next thing is. You really get pulled out of the mix for trades. If a trade shows up and all of a sudden it gets you really perilously close to that line, it, you, it limits you. So nobody's going to want to do that. The other situation is that Kyrie Irving becomes a base year compensation player. It's another quirk in the collective bargaining agreement. If you haven't heard of it, it's not really a surprise because very few people have heard of that. But it closes a loophole. There was once, and if you're old enough to remember, it's not that long ago, once a scenario where guys would be signed to ridiculous contracts. There would always be one scrub that got a big contract that was used to match trades. So 
teams that really didn't have anybody to aggregate the salaries, they would just take a guy that they had on their roster and they'd say, oh, congratulations. You have now, you, you now make 10 times what you used to make. You know, you take like a Shemi Ojale and say, ah, you know, opt out. We're not going to guarantee you. We're going to re-sign you using the bird rights and we're going to give you $10 million because we need somebody to match the salary. It's a ridiculous number, but you get my point. Well, they closed that loophole by saying, okay, when you sign somebody in that scenario, this is specifically only for a sign and trade scenario. You sign somebody and trade him his contract outgoing for salary matching purposes for the team that's sending him out. It's either half of his current salary or whatever his last year's salary was, whatever's the bigger number. And for Kyrie Irving, it's just under 21 million because that's his last year's salary. He'd be signed to 32, but the last year's salary is bigger. So his outgoing salary would be 20, just under 21. Well, D'Lo would be making 27.2, assuming he's going to get the max. That's his goal here. He's probably going to get the max from somebody. Salaries don't match all of a sudden. Kyrie Irving going out for D'Angelo Russell, salaries don't match for the Celtics. So now you have to add Gershon Yabusele. Fine. So Yabu and Kyrie works for D'Lo, but... Now you're asking the Brooklyn Nets to take back an extra salary. I don't know if you heard, but they didn't tender a qualifying offer to Rondé Hollis Jefferson so they can clear more cap space. They are shedding salary to open up two max slots. They're not going to take back Yabu. So it's damn near impossible for the Celtics to do a sign and trade, double sign and trade for Kyrie to D'Lo. I write about it more. I get a little more specific on MassLive.com. It's not going to happen. The only way, the only possible way is Kyrie leaves on his own. Al Horford opts out and says, I'm out later. See ya. And every other free agent that the Celtics have rights to, bird rights to, gets renounced. When you renounce somebody, you no longer have their bird rights. So... They have the bird rights to Marcus Morris. They can sign Marcus Morris to whatever they want. doesn't matter how much they've spent. If they're 10, 20, 30, 50 million dollars over the cap, they want to re-sign Marcus Morris. They can give him a 20 million dollar deal because they have his bird rights. That's what that allows them to do. You renounce the rights to Marcus Morris. You can still sign him, but now he's just a regular old free agent. So you have to use cap space, you have to use an exception. He just becomes a guy that's a free agent. That's what renouncing means. okay? There are things called cap holds. On, on the salary cap that those placeholders. So you can't do like they used to do where everybody opts out, you have a ton of cap space, and then you sign a bunch of guys, and then you can re-sign your guys to, you know, using their bird rights, and, you know, you game the system. They, you, they got rid of that by putting cap holds. So there's a, there's a placeholder there. Uh, so you have to renounce those rights. Once they renounce the rights to everybody... Al Horford, Kyrie, all of those guys, boom, they're all gone. Then you open up about $28 million in cap space and you get D'Angelo Russell if you want. That's the only realistic way. And even that's kind of a long shot because at that point, you have, you still have to fill out a roster and the bench is thin. 
You don't want to renounce the rights to all those guys because you probably want to bring Terry Rozier back. Now, Terry Rozier, I'm going to write about this for Mass Live uh, as soon as I'm done recording the podcast. So it'll be up in the morning, Tuesday morning. So if you're listening to this uh, at some point before Tuesday morning, then you'll have to wait. Tuesday morning, Eastern Time, U.S., from wherever you're listening, I'll explain that there is a possibility to bring Terry Rozier back. In fact, I think if you sign Terry Rozier to a short-term contract, there's a possibility that Terry Rozier might buy this. Two-year deal, second-year opt-out, make it worth his while. You make that money, whatever it needs to be, realistic. You say two years, you get one year back here, you can opt out, and be an unrestricted free agent, okay? Unrestricted free agency is a huge deal. You give them this money. You say, be our starter. Rebuild your, your value. You can opt out after next year. You get your whatever, 15 million, whatever the number is. You get that money. Instead of taking the qualifying offer, you go. You be our starter. Then next summer, you can hit the, hit the town. Go nuts. Whatever. I think Terry Rozier would buy that. A starting a starting situation in Boston where he's where he knows the system, he knows his teammates. It's better than going to Phoenix and learning everybody and learning on the fly. One year, essentially one year. And if he sucks, take your player option, take your whatever that money is, and then after that you're unrestricted and go figure it out. But you get a you get a payday in the meantime. From the Celtics' perspective, you have a guy, a, a, a good player. I mean, as, as much as he had problems last year, he's still good. I mean, he's not great, but he's good. He's valuable. And you don't have the cap money to really sign many guys that are of that level. So you bring that guy in. He's also, it'll also be a very tradable contract. So trade deadline comes around, and he's playing well. Then you can say, here, here's a guy. 14 million, you got him under contract for the rest of the year. Get a young player, get a get a salary dump, get something, attach a pick to him, get a decent player in return. I mean, he's tradable. I mean, you can use him to aggregate trade. You can use him to, you know, instead of giving up Marcus Smart, you can use Rozier as salary matching money. Who knows? I mean, it's it's a possibility. And this way you don't get you don't lose Terry Rozier for nothing. So I'll write about that. It'll be on Mass Live. You can check that out. But it's an idea. It's a thought. When we come back, my my radio appearance. I was on 98.5 Sports Hub with Adam Jones on Monday night talking about AD trade and other stuff. Celtics next step. Talk about, we'll let you listen to that and wrap up the show after the break here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Uh, for more on all this, we welcome in John Corrales of Mass Live. He joins us on the Volkswagen Dealers Expert Hotline. Uh, John, first of all, let's start with Anthony Davis, now a Laker. What'd you think of the trade? Well, uh, I think it was good for both sides. I mean, great for the Pelicans. I think getting that haul of draft picks is going to be huge. 
and it seems like uh, David Griffin's putting a, a bet on himself and a bet against the Lakers because the way those draft picks are spaced out, he's sort of betting like Danny Ainge did in the Brooklyn Nets trade that things might not go well down the road. And if he's right, then they could potentially have a nice pipeline of young talent to fill in around Zion Williamson and however they build that team in the next three, four, five years, which is what you want building around a star talent like that. You want to have young guys on rookie contracts, and you also want to amass as much talent as possible so you can flip those assets and build things. He has put the Pelicans in a position to be just like where the Celtics were over the past five years, where they're in the conversation for every trade because they're going to have all of the assets. The Lakers, obviously, you get a a megastar player. So that's a win on their end. But it's sort of an incomplete because now you have to build around LeBron and Anthony Davis, which is a hell of a pair to build around. But depending on Kuzma, right? I mean, Kuzma was I I was shocked Kuzma Kuzma wasn't in that deal. Well, I mean, they have to keep somebody. And and, uh, frankly, I think they screwed up a little bit because depending on the timing of the trade, it's weird and I won't get into it because it'll take too long and it's boring. But I think they screwed up because they're supposed to have a max salary cap spot. But because of the timing, they're not going to get that max spot unless they're able to push it off until – being completed until the end of July. It's it's complicated, but if if this thing gets completed – at the beginning of July because of salary cap rules and a collective bargaining agreement, they won't have $32 million to spend on a max player, uh, which hurts them because now you've got LeBron, you got Davis, Kuzma, and then that's it. You got three other guys that nobody can name and they've got that money to fill out the roster. If they screw that up, then you have the potential for wasting one of the most dynamic pairings that we've seen in the NBA in a long time. So it's up to Polenka to build a team around them. He, it's it's going to be, it should be easy to do that, but it's not guaranteed. So the Lakers have a huge win in getting a superstar and pairing LeBron and Anthony Davis together, who will should play extraordinarily well together. But if they don't make the right moves to fill in the rest of that roster, they could really they they could screw that up. Should the Celtics have pushed harder for Davis? Well, I think if they thought they could convince. Davis to stay, then yes. I think that the opportunity to get a player of that caliber and convince him to stay, I think is worth taking the risk. But if you don't think, if if Danny Ainge was convinced by Rich Paul and Clutch Sports that he was, Davis was, in fact, going to leave no matter what, if Danny Ainge really believed that, then no, because you can't lose out on Davis and lose Jason Tatum. But if you felt like you could Paul George your way to convincing Anthony Davis, if you thought that they were bluffing and once Davis got here, which is, this is the stance I thought, I thought they were bluffing hard to get him to the Lakers. And once Davis came to Boston, the landscape of the NBA would change. The Lakers wouldn't have the cap space to sign him next year because you got to build around LeBron now anyway. So they, they would have had to move on. And I think being in Boston, being in an element where it was a better situation than New Orleans, he might have been able to be convinced. In that case, you do, you do make the move for, for Tatum because now you've got a, a current 26-year-old you know, uh, generational player that 
if you feel like you can convince him, then you can build around him and accelerate the process. So uh, I'm just going to say that Danny Ainge must have been convinced that that uh, Davis was going to leave no matter what. And in that case, you you just you can't lose both of those guys. We're talking to John Corrales, Mass Live. He joins us here on 98.5 The Sports Up. Okay, so Kyrie's gone. Davis is a Laker. What do they do now, especially with, you know, limited, pretty severely limited cap space, unless they're renouncing everyone. They pretty much have the mid-level exception. They have a bunch of draft picks. What do they do? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question now. I think if, if Kyrie is indeed gone, which it seems like he is, um, there are a couple of things that they can do. It's not great. First of all, they don't have a ton of cap space. Uh, the question now becomes Al Horford. He's the next domino here. If Al Horford wants to leave and then you either explore a uh, restructuring of his contract and trade to a destination of muni- mu- that's mutually beneficial, or he just opts out and walks, in which case you have you do have some cap space, uh, if if he walks and they renounce all of their free agents, they can create a, just under twenty eight million dollars in cap space. Um, if he opts to, well, if he if he opts in, then that that's probably actually a worst case scenario for the Celtics because they have absolutely no money to spend. If they restructure, uh, you hear rumblings of a three year deal. If it's yep. something like three years, sixty million or so, that first year would be somewhere in the mid seventeen million pushing 18 million range. So they, they'd have somewhere in the mid teens million uh, to spend in cap room uh, plus a couple of exceptions. They can build around that. In that case, uh, I'm actually kicking around an idea for a piece that I'm going to write. So I don't want to give too much away, but I think they can bring back Terry Rozier on a short term deal that allows him to opt out. That allows the Celtics to keep him at a reasonable price that they could potentially trade down the line around the trade deadline. Uh, I think that's one way to maximize the Terry Rozier asset. If he's open to that, um, that's one way to do it. I think now, considering that all of these guys left, you have to start looking at Gordon Hayward. And I think the prudent course of action would be get Gordon Hayward back in here, have him prove over the course of November, December, January, that he can get back to that all-star level. And if he is back to that or close to that, Utah level Hayward, you have to start entertaining possibilities of trading him if a team wants to take him and turn that $32 million into a couple younger pieces that better fit the Celtics timeline. So, so I, I, yeah. Well, so I was going to say, so let me ask you that. So let's say they do what, what you just said. And again, you don't want to give away too much detail with Rozier and the contract and the way it's structured, but your, your starting ne- lineup next year is something like Brown, Tatum, Hayward, Horford, and then either Smart or Rozier at point. Like that, that's what you're going into right. next year with. How right. good is that team? I, th- I still think that team can be pretty good. I think that team is probably a fourth seed that could overachieve its way to a third seed, but probably a fourth you know, middle seed somewhere in that range. Um, you'd have to see if, if um, you know, this becomes a team where the chemistry you would think might get better. They, they do not have the expectations. They're now fighting past expectations. So they're going to be counted out. Um, if you have a Gordon Hayward that does in fact come back and play at that level, uh, then he becomes a really good piece because you could even have him initiating the offense. Tatum is going to be, you know, much more free 
to do what he does. I mean, he could have a big year. If Brown has a big year, then that's, that's a team that could at least get home court in the first round. And then who knows? Then you're looking at how much do they overachieve? How much do they now uh, buy into Brad Stevens and, and all of the, the heady stuff that he normally sells? Are, are they going to band together and have that team chemistry and, and maybe surprise people and, and win a round or two? All right, he is John Corrales. Check him out at Mass Live. You can also follow him on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. John, as always, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. You got it. Thanks. Thank you, Adam Jones, for having me on. Always nice to join Adam Jones every so often on 98.5 The Sports Hub. And that's going to be it for the show. want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for downloading us, subscribing wherever podcasts exist. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. I don't know where all the big ones are. Himalaya. Definitely download us on the Himalaya Podcast app. And or ask your smart speaker. Get in the car. When you get in the car, you can just, wherever you're going, work, home, to the gym, just get in the car, ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Celtics. It will do that. And you don't have to fumble around with anything. It will just take us with you. And again, we really appreciate you doing so. If you are a subscriber at a place on a thing that allows you to rate, five-star ratings are always welcome. Good written reviews are awesome. Anything that helps us grow the show, it's, I mean, really, it, it's, a, it's very much appreciated. I say it all the time. It feels like a throwaway line maybe sometimes, but it's not. Very much appreciate everybody who listens to the show. Whether it's three of us, whether it's one of us, just hope you enjoy the different feels, the different types of podcasts that we give you, the fact that we're out here podcasting on a regular basis to give you something to listen to other than Felger and Maz. So hope you enjoy that. And thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.